Hi, this is Ben Trefney, the host of Bounce. Last week, we told you about a live Bounce event coming up. Well, the NBA released its schedule for the next round of the playoffs, and it turned out that we were going to be matched up against Game 5. We hope you like Bounce, but I'm sure you don't like us that much. So we rescheduled. We'll be live with stories, special guests, free refreshments, and a community conversation next Tuesday, May 21st, at the 81st Avenue Branch Library in East Oakland. Find more info at our host station's website, KALW.org. And while you're there, there's something else you can do. KALW is in a membership drive right now, and you might notice you don't hear any commercials on Bounce. I'm not telling you about mattresses or anything like that, and that's because we are listener-supported public radio. So since you're listening, please take the next step and support us. You could do it at KALW.org. Click Donate Now to let them know that you dig Bounce. Now, on to the show. K-A-L-W. This episode of Bounce has language of an adult nature. Steve Kerr. I apologize to my mom, who uh, oh, yeah. is probably watching, but our guys are fucking giants. Like, that was an unbelievable victory tonight. What's that? Yes, yes, after dark. I'm a different guy right now. <laughs> Sorry, Mom. What's he talking about? Let's review the tape. It's Durant with Shepard defending, and Kevin Durant laces one through. And he's hurt. He is. When Kevin Durant went down in Game 5 against the Houston Rockets, it looked like curtains for the Golden State Warriors. They'd lost two straight games. They'd blown a huge lead in this one. And the playoffs' leading scorer, who'd been carrying the dubs, limped off the court. He goes to the locker room, and this is a major story. Timeout. The Oakland crowd got real quiet. Houston took the lead, and then something magical happened. Here comes Curry. Curry on the move. Here comes Curry finding Green. Curry defended by Capella with a three. Thompson on the move, Green tees up a three. Thompson, who fires a big touch. Iguodala stuck inside and got the two. If you've been following the Warriors, you know that sounds familiar. It was a flashback to 2015. The same players who broke the 40-year championship drought rallied to win. It was easily one of the most satisfying games in years. But then they had to go to Houston and do it again. How bad were you in the first half? I, that's a great question. <laughs> I was pretty, pretty terrible. Stephen Curry was scoreless in the first half of game six. And then he went off. Curry long distance, that's a three. Curry launches a three-pointer, puts it in. Steph Curry on the drive, gets past layup. Bank shot is good. Steph Curry coming alive for the second straight game in the fourth quarter. Curry with Tucker right with him. Curry launches a three, puts it in again. Curry had one of the most ridiculous turnarounds ever. Zero points in the first half, 33 in the second. The Warriors won again. Game, series, rivalry, over. So our story is crazy. It's been like that for the last five years, and it's going to continue to be uh, until it's over. So, so let's keep it going. This is Bounce, the Warriors' last season in Oakland. I'm Ben Trefney, and today we're thinking ahead to next year when a taste of the town comes to San Francisco. It's not going to be the same, but I want it to be 
kind of a branch of that spirit so that it's not institutionalized. I would love, my dream is that, you know, the people taking the orders smile and say hi. What's going to be served at the Chase Center? We'll find out in a minute. But first, let's go inside Oakland's Oracle Arena to hear from some of the current food service workers about what the Warriors mean to them. I'm a bartender here in the premium clubs at Oracle Arena. I'm a bartender. I've been here now for 21 years. This is my 22nd year. I've been working for the Warrior for 30 seasons. Um, like I said, I've been around a long time. So I remember the days when they, were, when they won the first championship back in 74, I think it was. I was a little kid. and. Uh, I just remember they actually didn't win it here. They actually ended up playing at the Cow Palace because the ice follies were going on at that time. But uh, I mean, this is where they've been, but they started in San Francisco, so. Uh, watching them go from a very bad team, tickets were always easy to get because nobody really wanted to come. You know, it was a lot of bad times here in Oakland. You know, even before they thought about moving. Although the fan support has always been good, but now tickets are very, very hard to come by. and. Uh, the dynamic of the fans has changed quite a bit too from people that of lesser means that were able to come to the games to now people with lesser means can't make it to the games. So that dynamic is changing as well. So, But it's a good thing. It's, it's all about the business of the, of the sports when it comes down to overall. Well, I think it's been bitter, bittersweet because A, they're winning, which is the sweet part of it. And the bitter part is that we know it's coming to an end. I've had mixed emotions. I'm happy that we're moving to a new venue, but I'm also sad because it's going to take a lot of the excitement out of the Oakland environment. It's disappointing. I'm born and raised in Oakland, so it's very disappointing to know that the Warriors are leaving town because they've done a lot for the city, a lot for the spirit of the area. But then I'm also excited because we're in a whole new city. I know they're not going too far, but San Francisco still is not Oakland, so. We're going to have probably brand new food, so. It's going to be exciting to see the new arena that they have and how that works out. See, I'm getting emotional now. Um, it's a family. You know, a lot of us have been here 20 plus years. We're used to the environment. We're used to our stands. We're used to our coworkers. And they constantly are asking us, are you going over to San Francisco? Are you going over? And we don't know. We don't have answers for that right now. And I don't know if I'm actually going to go to San Francisco. I'm definitely have to think about it. Um, a lot of us aren't sure if we're going with them or not. And uh, so we're still on pins and needles about that. I think those of us that are starting to go over, we want to first go in and see what the arena is going to look like what our jobs are going to be, if we're going to still have the same jobs that we currently have now, and just get a feel for the area and see what's going to happen to us, you know? So it's, again, it's mixed emotions. Some excitement, some sad. Everything's going on at one time for us right now. It's an interesting dynamic. With the success comes expense, and that's the one downside of it, because everybody's not, not able to afford being part of it, so. But once you become a champion, you can do whatever you want, really. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's gonna feel different next year, that's for sure. But it's definitely not all bad. The Golden State Warriors organization is trying to retain some of the culture of the home it's leaving behind and finding ways to improve the fans' experience at the same time. Liza Veal has more. It's halftime at Oracle Arena, which means fans are lining up for expensive, largely terrible food. Soon they'll be full of sad, salty concessions and regret. On Yelp, the Oracle concessions have a 1.5 star rating. If I could give zero stars, says one reviewer, I would. Oracle Arena has the worst food in the Bay Area, and I go to a lot of events. 
The garlic fries are described as bland and cold. The Korean rice bowl tastes chemically and frozen. A bunch of reviewers refer to an apparently indescribable weird taste. Many of their accounts end in food poisoning. Come on, Oakland, this is pitiful. Hopefully food will be better at the Chase Center. Well, listener, guess what? It almost certainly will. The food vendor in charge of the new stadium is Bon Appetit Management Company, and they're doing things differently. They've invited a bunch of tried-and-true Bay Area food institutions to open branches at Chase, including Oakland's bake sale Betty. The hope is that the halftime crowd will feel more like this boy. I have a good feeling, sorry. (laughs) Do you have a good feeling about the food you're about to eat? Yes. What is it? I don't know. It's easy to feel inexplicably good on this corner of Telegraph Avenue in Oakland, where everyone's waiting in line or dining on food from the tiny storefront known as Bake Sale Betty's. Miles Smith says he eats here at least once a week. It's just so simple. It's just one thing, you know, like if you come here, you know what you want. You want buttermilk fried chicken. You want it crispy on a bed of bright, herby jalapeno coleslaw on a soft bun. Everyone likes fried chicken. Who doesn't like fried chicken? Look at the diversity of people. I mean, look, it's beautiful. What Diane Young likes about this place is the character. The owner, whose name is actually not Betty, but Allison Barakat and her staff, create a real sense of familiarity. She talks to us, she loves kids, she brought her kid. She's got purple hair. And it's humble. They do a few things and they do them well. It's small, but it's efficient. You know, they got a train going, they're open for four hours, they know their customers, it's awesome. Bake Sale Betty's was originally just baked goods, which she sold at farmer's markets, until she met her future husband 17 years ago. He was at the Danville Farmer's Market when I set up the first week, and we met there, fell in love, moved in together, teamed up, and grew the business, and now we have three kids and a dog. At the shop, Barakat works the sandwich station. It's elevated behind the registers, so she and the other chefs can greet and chat with customers, which they do, a lot. I saw her and her staff give away more cookies than I could count. I love to make someone's day. I really do. Not because I want them to go on social media and tell everyone, but because I want them, I want to make their day. And I want them to say, wow, who does that? Yeah. No one does it. Yeah. I tell Barakat that my dad, who lives 10 minutes away, always thought he was her favorite customer because she gave him free stuff so often. Which he is. I don't know his name or who he is, but I can tell you right now, he's definitely my favorite customer. But this little storefront plans to respawn itself in a very different environment. One that wouldn't seem likely to nurture the pursuit of fine foods or the intimacy of this corner. It's the Chase Center. And over there, Betty's will have to be supersized while trying to somehow remain true to itself. Here is Chef Barakat. It's not going to be the same, but I want it to be kind of a branch of that spirit so that it's not institutionalized. I would love, my dream is that, you know, the people taking the order smile and say hi. Barakat was approached by Bon Appetit when the company was first putting together a bid to oversee food at the Warriors' new spot. The pitch was to serve the food of beloved, iconic local spots, like San Francisco's Taco-licious, Sam's Chowder House of Half Moon Bay, and in an homage to the Warriors' history, they wanted to revive Hall of Famer Nate Thurman's acclaimed Big Nate's Barbecue. That Oakland connection is also why Bon Appetit wanted to import Big Sale Betty's to Chase. 
So we had to do a tasting. So Bon Appetit gathered us all together and we, we had to present our food to the owners of the Warriors and the Chase folks. And after they did all the tastings, they said Bon Appetit got the contract. So that means we were included. Were you automatically into it or what were your concerns initially? I wasn't at first. The first red flag was, are they going to want to use different ingredients that are cheaper? Because if that's the case, I don't want to be involved. But it wasn't the case. Barricat is very particular about the local, largely mom and pop suppliers of her ingredients. Everything from the olive oil to the parsley to the flour, which she assumed Bon Appetit would not stay faithful to. Because it's unheard of typically that in, a, in an arena setting that you would have that because it's mass produced and that's not how we operate here. But the arena paired up with Bon Appetit specifically to get top-notch locally sourced cuisine. They agreed to replicate everything about the ingredients and production of the food. And so I was all in at that point. There will be four Bake Sale Betty concession stands at the Chase Center. They expect to have to turn out 275 sandwiches during the 15-minute halftime. That's how much they do in an hour at this shop. So yeah, I got my work cut out for me logistically. But luckily, the operations will all be run by Bon Appetit. Barakat will help train the staff and she'll commute over for quality control purposes, but she hopes to eventually be able to stay more or less hands-off. It's a nice way of expanding without me committing 100% because I am 100% committed physically and mentally here where I actually have to come to work every day. But at Chase Center, there'll be more assistance. So if somebody calls in sick, I'm not the person covering them, which is what happens now. So that will be nice. Opening up at the Chase Center means she's about to have a whole lot more quote-unquote favorites like my dad. But what I want to know is, will the Chase deal make her rich? I have no clue about that because <laughs> we don't have any projections. So okay. right now it's kind of like how long's a piece of string. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's no answer right now. She says the institutional support means she has a much better shot at profitability than most restaurants do. The Oakland shop was underwater for years. We should be rich now, but we made some mistakes along the way that we're still paying for. And we were undercharging for our food for many years and just over inflated payroll and so many things that can shut a business down that we were able to get a hold of earlier on, um, which is why we're still around. This is our 14th year in business. And the extra income may mean she won't have to spend all her evenings baking and all her weekends making sandwiches. I just want to be able to pay the bills without breaking out of sweat every month. And we do that now, barely, but we do it. And we're getting better at it. Um, that would be nice. Barakat and Bon Appetit haven't set prices yet. But if ticket prices at Chase are any indication, Warriors fans may experience sticker shock at the concession stand too but this food might actually be worth the money. That's Liza Veal. Next time on Bounce. There are so many storylines in this round of the playoffs. Injured warriors returning to the court. A Curry Brothers reunion and one of Oakland's own, Damian Lillard, returning to Oracle one last time. I mean, I'm sure it's definitely special for him. and uh, he, he obviously represents Oakland everywhere, an opportunity that he gets. And 
understand obviously this is the last year at Oracle too, so it'll be special for him and his family and growing up right down the street from Oracle, but uh, unfortunately I don't want it to be a happy ending for him. I want it to be for us. So that's our, that's our job. See what happens on the next bounce. Thanks for listening to our podcast. We'll have new episodes every Wednesday through the end of the season. Subscribe now and get involved. Rate us, review us, let us know what you think. Bounce is a production of KALW Public Radio. Our theme music was made by Daoud Anthony. Artwork is by David Boyer with Illuminaries. Our team includes Shireen Adel, Gabe Graben, and Marco Seiler Gonzalez. I'm Ben Trefney. Keep it rolling. called your team effing giants after yeah. um, the last one what would you call them now and speak on that just giants yeah uh, not gonna swear tonight <laughs>